This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Book Report. I am Adam, joined as always by our master teacher, Caitlin. Oh, Caitlin. hello. You, you always have to have a new accent, a new character. What character is this that's going to appear in our in our game in the future? The, the, that was a little bit like Frankenstein. It was a bit, yeah, it was kind of I a little Alan Rickman. I was getting real Lorne yeah. Michaels vibes. Oh, you know, page 394. Ooh, say that again. <laughs> Uh, you probably recognize that third mysterious voice in here. So it is mysterious. the voice of our wonderful Penelope, all, a.k.a. Uh, Kimmy Lucas. Has a, or Kimmy Lucas. Ooh. Kimmy Gregory. Yes. Now everyone knows my security question, That's, my maiden name. Oh, no. I'll strike that. I'll strike that. <laughs> Dump no. it. It's okay. I became... Now you have to change it to Trogdor. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, yes. No, I'm excited to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. We've never done this in person. But I now know. I get to look you both no, in the eye. Guys, for the first time ever, there are three of us in the living room recording together. It's really exciting. And this is amazing. I'm able to actually look them in the this eyes. Because like most of the time we're, we're on Zoom and I'm not looking any of you in the eyes because I also have my DM notes up in front of me. And so half the time I'm not looking at your faces you on the Zoom and I'm us. just going based off of your your tones of voices to <laughs> interact with you. Or I'll look directly in the camera so as if I'm trying to have an intimate moment with you, but I can't see what you're doing. The, so. the first time we, uh, me and Kate, were in the same room recording, I believe it was for a book report. Or maybe it was, it was the first report. time we faced each other. Maybe we'd been, we'd been side by side, but I was like, let's face each other and look eye to eye. And I was doing the intro uh and i started laughing just because it was just like i'm not used i'm not used to this and <laughs> you can feel so getting more used to it now it having seen moderated Kimmy. through a screen <laughs> yes yeah. exactly i need like that that distance uh though we could have aaron here miss like so sad that aaron's not here this no. is what we initially before the pandemic when we were playing this this podcast i was like all four of us will be in the same room playing together this is probably about as close as we'll, we'll ever get to that we got the four-way zoom let's do it until we do a live show in the future, maybe. Live show. How awesome live would that show. Be? Oh, my live God. Live show. You guys want it, don't you? Yeah? Yes. The people. 
Invite us to your city. There are dozens of us. Dozens. dozens. I do want to say I recently made a arrest development joke in front of a bunch of 20 year olds. Uh-oh. No one got it. Crickets. It was really upsetting. I said, I, basic, I said illusions, Michael. No one looked at me. And I was like, guys, come on. Anyway. They're out of favor. It's out of favor Gen with Z the youngins. I mean, to be fair, all they probably know was like the last two seasons, which were subpar. Yeah. Yep. But the first three will live forever. Didn't Netflix just take all of that? They took I, all of it off their Netflix. I think it's going on uh, Hulu or something. Really? I, I don't think it's going away. I think it's Even the moving. Netflix produced episodes? No I, mean, I guess you can get money from that if you need. Yeah. If you're desperate for money, like they are, I guess. Anyway, yeah. you guys, Metamorphosis. <laughs> oh, there we go. Metamorphosis by Franz, Franz? Franz Kafka. Franz. Franz. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and just throw this over to our master teacher, uh, for your your general thoughts or the history of metamorphosis. Also, it's called the metamorphosis. I know. I always forget that part. Which I don't really like. Yeah, metamorphosis the. is better. Well, you have to give it the article the for the. some weight to it. I mean, I do think the the fits the story better, but I also agree. I always forget the the. Yeah, because it's not an ongoing thing. It is just a specific instance for Unless, one person. Well, I'll, I'll save that for later. Ooh, you have, you have what about the juicy metas- analysis. What about the metamorphosis of Greta? Agreed? Greta. I don't know, actually. The uh, audiobook I was listening to kept saying Greta, but I looked at it and it's E-T-E. Yeah. And I, yeah, we, right, we have a character. Master this Teacher, week. I need you to not only give history of the book, but also explain the book because <laughs> I definitely skimmed this when I was, okay. I think, a sophomore I, high I, school. I, <laughs> All I remembered was there was a cockroach and an apple in the back that I think kills him. And that's about all I remembered. <laughs> Couldn't tell you anything else. I, I mean, was that's all you need to know, points. you guys. You got it. It was 15. That's the, the synopsis. So. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, so Metamorphosis, I'll give you a little bit of background, a little bit of synopsis. Uh, so Metamorphosis, the, comma, the. Comma, the. Uh, <laughs> it was written by Franz If you're looking Kafka. for it in the library. Yeah, and it was published in 1915 in Austria-Hungary, which is now the Czech Republic. Uh, and it was originally written completely in German. So this is a work in translation that we're looking at. And it details the shocking transformation of a traveling salesman, Gregor Samsa, into a giant, many people think a cockroach. Or if you're Vladimir Nabokov, author of Lolita, um, who was a huge Kafka fan, called him the greatest German writer of our time. Anyways, he was also really into bugs, like, on the side. Like, his actually first love was... Not inappropriate romances, uh, but bugs. Uh, and so he looked at like the descriptions and he said, no, it's a winged beetle. It's a great winged beetle. And Kafka never really Does he cared. never say in the book? Does he ever <laughs> he, say? He, he left it um Does he just say like a bug? Or does he- yeah. So uh, that's one of the Easter eggs I put in was uh, when after you guys rolled and I figured out who was playing what. I used the the description for Aaron to to kind of like be the opening of it, and that's the opening line of the book, which mm. is the the just the description of when he wakes up, he notices changes in his body, um, and it and it matched it matched a roly poly much better than a ladybug, so that's why I had him wake up first too. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, he he transforms. He just wakes up, transforms, and so. Over the course of three chapters, Kafka explores themes of humanity, responsibility, imprisonment, and even alienation. And so it's so telling that after waking up to find himself transformed into a giant insect, Gregor is more concerned about missing his train to get to work than actually his crazy change of body. 
Like that is just most of his focus in this story is not like, I have a new body. This is crazy. Let me really think on that. He doesn't seem too bothered by it. He's more concerned the fact that he can't get to work and make money to support his family, mm. um, which is very telling to the society in which Franz Kafka is, is writing about. Um, so Maybe the family has hit home to here too. Yeah. God forbid yeah, there's you have a, a couple lot of sick days off and you run out of it. You're not making money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he, he lives with his, his parents and his sister, Greet or Greta. I, I still don't know. You guys tell me, what do you think? It's, it's Choose spelled G R E T E Greta Greet. Um, but the family settles into a new routine. And so they basically do the bare minimum to take care of him. But Gregor overhears his family talking about the trouble they're going to have financially now that he can't work. Uh, he is the main breadwinner. So this starts to really worry him. And they don't really speak as if like they're worried about his well-being. They're just be like, ah, oh, he can't work anymore. What are we going to do? Uh, and there's, there's really a lack of empathy and compassion that you would think that would exist between family members. So, and to make matters even worse, as an insect, he cannot communicate with them. He, uh, he tries over and over again, but it's just these, these clicks and these beeps and these uh, kind of high-pitched tones that just aren't the human language. And so he's even robbed of that. And so he has no say as to how he's treated. Even when his mother and sister come in and, and they take out his per, uh, personal belongings, his furniture, because they think, oh, we need to give him space to crawl around so he stops making so much noise upstairs. Um, he crawls on the wall to protect a particular photo from being taken. And his mother sees this and just faints at that sight of him crawling on the wall. And so what his father does is just angrily takes an apple and chucks it at him and it embeds in the, in, into Whoa. his back and it festers there. And it's just the beginning of the end for him. So everyone treats him with disgust. His family tries to hide him away and ignore him. People who come to the house, uh, either because they're, you know, doing it for room and board because the family's trying to make money or in any other capacity for business, they flee if they catch sight of him. So I'll, I'll give the spoiler ending because it's, it's three chapters and this isn't like the big reveal, but it does end with Gregor considering how his life is only a burden to his family. And so he just dies by choice. Like he wastes away and be like, this is the best gift I can give my family since I can't be of use to them financially. And so he purposefully just neglects himself and dies. The end. Man. Happy story. An uplifting, yeah. <laughs> Happy <gosh>. story. <laughs> But the, there are so many social criticisms that are embedded in here that is, is very fitting, even today. I mean, this is 120 years later, and it's still very fitting. Yeah. It sounds like, is it hitting on themes about like dehumanization and, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's capitalism necessarily, but just the idea of like your worth is tied to like your work. And when you can't mm-hmm. do that anymore, then you might as well just, mm-hmm. you're a burden, get out of the way. Yeah. Or people who are like ill or sick, how they become maybe burdens for lack of a better word. And, and you feel like just worthless, I guess, in that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely that. And even just what does it mean to be human? And yeah. so you, you do see, even though this is published world, you know, around the time of World War One. You really start to see in the 1910s, 1920s, more and more talk of alienating specific groups of people um, and comparing them to vermin. 
and even just the word that's why i used vermin king in here because the word vermin is in here oh, a lot cool. um and you see this over and over again in what will eventually become periods of genocide in, in world history but one of the first steps always seems to be comparing a people group to vermin yeah um, usually rats, De- rats or them, insects, yeah. um, typically cockroaches. And so, yeah, you, that's kind of what we always go to as people group who are oppressing others of let's compare them to this specific type of animal. Not just, not just like a cat or a dog, but we're going to now make them into vermin, which, you know, I just got re- done reading Mouse. Mouse, that was, just, um, that was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, with my humanities uh, as a way to close out studying the Holocaust in World War II and just it's very very fitting you know that's mm-hmm. that's one and, and Gregor Samsa is basically Franz Kafka he was writing himself into it mm-hmm. um, and Kafka himself was Jewish and he was starting to see those those anti-semitic rumblings um, in German-speaking countries mm-hmm. where he was but uh, he did not make it <laughs> to see the Holocaust he, he died before that but yeah that that it's very fitting that we see this over and over again even now you'll still see people using vermin-based language when they're trying to dehumanize people yeah well i i when i was reading about this um the holocaust heavily affected his family he lost all three sisters Mm -hmm. in the holocaust which is heartbreaking um so yeah he definitely was picking up on what hitler was putting down and what people were putting down yeah it affected Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. horribly so, so th- there's, it's not a question like that. That is like, did he ever say like that is what this book is about? It's about like, um, yeah, looking down on people, casting them, uh, dehumanization, dehumanization, and yes. things like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm he sure. was. Uh, so it's it's funny because I, I I'm on Tumblr. Um, I'm I'm a lurker on Tumblr though. I I don't like post anything right. original on there. It's just more. It's it's a fascinating space to to see thoughts of people, and there are just communities of people that love Franz Kafka and there are so many of those who, who heard the term hit. Kafka-esque yep yep Kafka-esque. I believe that's a Breaking Bad episode Kafka-esque oh really <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah they, so yeah that that is something I'm going to be talking about very quickly Ooh, wow. in here so uh yeah you you see these whole communities of people who like fell in love with his diaries and so those kind of came out post-mortem um but he had some fascinating just not quite nihilistic, uh, but definitely like deeper philosophically entrenched, like considering, considering like the dichotomy between life is worth seeking meaning in, but it just is meaningless, like, well, to everything everywhere all at once, like nothing matters, like that sort of thing. But he, he has some beautiful pieces of writing that were just his journaling thoughts like just he never meant for them to be seen by anybody and yet there's these scribblings and these inner thoughts are are awesome and so people that's how I really got to know Franz Kafka um despite having read I read you said you read Metamorphosis your sophomore sophomore year I read it my senior year did you ever read it I did and I cannot remember when um but I definitely read it in high school yeah so definitely it was like one of those high school things you have to read it and then done is it still Um, is it still taught no my mom uh, teaches not, and not it. at my school. Really? Not at my school. Uh, my mom teaches it at her school. Okay. I'm 90% sure, yeah. Yeah. So I, it, it's, I mean, I just wonder reading where it's this, at. it's super interesting to I look at. I wonder where it's at, like on the Pantheon or whatever, the, about like this classic literature. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's well known, but 
it's obviously not Pride and Prejudice like level or That's Shakespeare. Not the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think Aaron. I mean, I know Aaron. For Aaron reads a ton, but not <laughs> to his own admission, not so much classic literature. But he right. said he. I don't think he'd ever heard of Metamorphosis. He hadn't heard of it. Mm-hmm. No, no. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, it is. It is a more of a niche set. But those man, the I just found like there are some very diehard Kafka fans out there. So if if that's you listening. I love you so much. This is for you. You and your absurd ha, are there, mind. Are there any other novels of his, narratives that I would know? Or was it Maybe more... The Trial you would have heard of? Yeah, The Trial is mm. another one. I think some of these got turned into plays. Yes. A lot yes. of these. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it was interesting. I was listening to the episodes you guys were doing. So I wasn't participating in them. And I was actually really <laughs> entertained by your choice to portray Kafka with a slight Southern accent. Uh, feel free Tennessee Williams to me which I was yeah. like oh Elliot Kazan directing Metamorphosis that's what I want to see but it has it's of the same era even if it, this is much earlier than maybe a Tennessee Williams play but it yes, has that but the, vibe. they have that well they have that link uh, because there, there's a lot of crossover between Southern Gothic and what I'm now going to teach you because I found out about which is a literary movement called absurdist fiction oh, okay. uh, so ab- or absurdism but that's a genre that really came to prominence much later on, like 1950s, 1960s was its heyday. Uh, but Kafka is considered one of the fathers of this, this type of, of literature. Um, and it originally comes out of a philosophy from existentialist thinkers. So we're thinking of Friedrich Nietzsche, um, Soren Kierkegaard, and even Albert Camus. Uh, so these guys like described how there's only three ways of resolving the conflict between the search for meaning and the lack of meaning in the world. And so these guys would say, you have three choices, suicide, religion, or just accepting the absurd in life and living on in spite of it. Um, And so Kafka was one of those who heavily read these guys and, and put a lot of these ideas into writing. And so absurdist fiction then coming out of that is often irrational in some fundamental way. Stories that contain strange juxtaposition, plot twists, and sometimes even intentional humor, but very, very dark humor. Some of the dark humor that we still see in, uh, especially in movies today, like say Jordan Peele, is absurdist humor. It's, mm. it's, so it stems from this. So to, to put it in other words, Absurdist fiction takes like normal, quote unquote, elements of life and then often fade them into the background and your reader is left with a new absurd normal like Gregor Samsa now being a bug and him not really freaking out about it too much. Being like, well, such is life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a bug now, um, but still got to make money and I got to worry about that and not worry about too much about my own well-being. And it's, so- it's, it sounds like it's less about... How did this happen? We have to figure out how I became a bug and how to not be a bug. It's yeah. more like, well, this just happened, and now how to live like a normal yeah. life with this. And definitely not let's break the curse, or we got to yeah. figure out the source of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is where we get this idea Kafka-esque mm-hmm. um, means it's just bringing together the surreal and the mundane, mm-hmm. um, often not drawing a distinction between their treatment, so to create memorable and challenging really nightmare escapes. It, a lot of times when you're thinking of Kafka-esque uh, settings or stories, it makes me also think of um, Hieronymus Bosch in mm. his paintings where you have these hellish landscapes that are just recognizable. Like there are elements, 
in those paintings that are like that could be a painting of a countryside that I've been to or that could be like a little town that I'm waking up to in the morning but then the horrors of it are just there in your face and you have to face them and there's no fixing them Mm -hmm. so you will see that with absurdist fiction um perhaps you've heard of other writers in this so other writers who've made contributions to this genre following in the vein of Kafka and all these guys were huge Kafka fans too Little fanboys are Kurt Vonnegut. Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay. So, Slaughterhouse uh-huh. Five, very absurdist. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, kind of so it goes. You know yeah. that that idea of like, yeah, d- this this is this is your life. Deal with it, and you kind of have a wry, sarcastic humor about it, and some could say a dark outlook on life, but it's very positive at the same time. Um, Samuel Beckett, who did Waiting for Godot and mm-hmm. The Unnameable and uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. So you, you have some, some big names that. Well, you're shaking you, that, that, that last artist. That fucker. Yeah, who? that, that fucker. That, that French Sartre dude. just <laughs> piece of work, but he's very interesting. Okay, I don't know. The I'm French existentialist I have feelings about. The Danish ones love. Love me some Kierkegaard, but uh, the French but existentialists seriously, are though, pieces like, of work. How many of the existentialists can you just say, that fucker? Yeah. Like, you, you look at their, their words and their philosophies and... Uh, yeah, Camus, Camus, I have more feeling, like positive feelings towards. Sartre, I just... <laughs> Sartre was a pop philosopher. I said it. <laughs> I said it. I'm throwing it down. <laughs> It, it, was it Sartre? Somebody come at us. It's, yeah, Sartre, but okay, you wouldn't pronounce so the R-E. You so know my, my only, the only reason I know these names mm-hmm. is from Simpsons. Oh, I was going to say Godot. I thought you were going to talk about, like, uh, not Godot. You hear quotes. But, uh, you don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but someone said, Camus can do, but, <laughs> but Sartre is smartra. <laughs> And, and Conan O'Brien wrote that those line. Things. Yeah, probably. That was his era. You probably, you hear it, those it, things and you're like, it's a kid. Harvard like, education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Simpsons. That makes sense. <laughs> but no, I love me some Vonnegut. Vonnegut's probably my, my favorite art, uh, author. And so. Really? And, and I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Yeah. The, we, we got some uh, Vonnegut. Yeah, like I've actually never like read Vonnegut. Up on our, it's on the list. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, you Kat's even read it for like one of your first ending. chapter Fridays. Yeah. I read one of his, I believe. Can't remember which one it was. I think it was Cat's Cradle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Mother Night. Well, that's not as weird, but Galapagos, I think, is one. And yeah, but but yeah, yeah like you mentioned, is is Slaughterhouse taking a real war story, uh, and then with like Dresden, the bombs of, over Dresden, I believe, and then you're unstuck in time. The Trail Flamadorians and aliens and them juxtaposed, and like yeah, it makes sense because it's, it's it's never about how do I get unstuck or how do I get restuck or how do I right. fight it? It's more like, this is just what it is. And now yeah, you're and on it's, this so trip. It's not trying to teach you a lesson. Yeah. I mean, you might learn something from it, which it uses if, it if as you a vehicle latch on to the it. themes, yeah. it really is there for you to just think about, but it doesn't offer you any solutions. It doesn't offer you any like ideas of, okay, where do we go from here? It's more like, yeah, there, there's a crack here. Yeah. It's in the cement. You can step over it, you can go around it, you can fall into it. I really don't give a shit because I'm an existentialist. Gotcha. But, you know, it, let's write a story about how it's there. Interesting. Yeah, so it, it, we, we see a lot of echoes of absurdist fiction today, but Kafka, by and large, is considered, with regards to absurdist fiction, one of the fathers of it. Um, but it's, it's drawn from philosophies within Nietzsche, Kierkegaard, and Camus. So that's what I learned in my research is about more about absurdism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I feel like this is the section where I ask 
just about like its significance and why its significance, but I feel like that'd be redundant at this point because I feel like you answer that a lot in your with the idea of like abs- uh, absurdism, Kafka esque kind of style of writing that he helped kind of pioneer and about how it was speaking about genocide and 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 dehumanization is I, I guess is to maybe for you to put the definitive answer. Would you say that's the reason why it's still matters today and why it's still taught today is it because of those pioneering traits and the deeper resounding themes yeah i think what really struck me too as an educator who tries to find stories that are as universal as possible for for my students and that are worth their time too although i don't teach this i i do i do think it's it's well worth a young person's time to read, but it, it really touches on what it means to be human and, and what happens when those around you stop regarding you as such, which we don't really have too many stories that are short that, that touch upon this. A lot of them are sweeping romances mm. or epics following a hero who is undergoing dehumanization and following, you know, how, how do they handle it? But this is shortened to the point. And those, I mean... If you really plow through this, you you could truly read this in less than an hour if you know if you had the time to set aside, or you can do it in short installments. But it it's cool how that happens in such a short amount of space. Um, and and I'd love to hear from you about like the transformation you saw in in uh, Greta or Greet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I for me with Gregor's transformation on multiple levels, it, it brings with it a series of emotional transitions and obstacles he has to overcome mainly separation from his previous role as the breadwinner for his family and then his physical separation from his family and his emotional separation from his family which just hit you like mm-hmm. it doesn't really give you too much pause for breath um on that so it, it really is a tragedy not because of anything he's done to deserve it and sometimes that that's really how life is mm-hmm. tragedies happen and it's not because you've done anything wrong and you just roll with it. So it, reading it made me really consider what responsibility a family has for a person after, you know, like for him, for after his transformation and, and how that family doesn't fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Like his generosity isn't repaid. His, in fact, his last act of generosity is dying because mm-hmm. he truly believes they would be better off without him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you saw another metamorphosis in there. Yeah. And I'll talk about it. I think I just would love to say one thing about what you just said, which is that's what I find so relatable about this book is I think right now, a lot of the conversations I see in culture, this feels so relatable to like what we talk about in society right now, especially with mental health, which is this idea of like, Mm -hmm. do the work, take care of people, let people talk about their mental health. And obviously everyone's on different journeys. Everyone has different stories. What I found so interesting about this is particularly great, at least to my eye, and I'm willing to be challenged, Greta it first seems like she's really loving and caring. Like they're like kind of on board, like, okay, we're going to help you. But as time passes, everyone wears out on it. And it's this idea of that, like the long, slow work of healing, the long, slow work of mental health, that it sounds really great to be this loving, empathetic person, but the actual work of caretaking is so exhausting. Mm -hmm. And realistically, I like, as an adult, as a teenager reading this, I was like, well, Gregor's the total hero. Everyone else is a dick. Mm -hmm. And that's not untrue. But I had weird moments of empathizing with his family, not because I thought they were right, because I thought they were understandable. Yeah. Like the exhaustion Mm -hmm. of taking care of this 
person you love but who can no longer communicate is no longer making sense to you, is not functioning, is scary and grotesque to you, that is hard. And I feel like this really shows the like absolute hard work it is to caretake for someone yeah. who is sick, who is maybe disabled in a way you don't understand. It has mental health. And there's no promise that he's going to get better. Exactly. You know, the, 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 you have this idea, especially for caretakers of like, okay, I'm going to put time into this. I'm going to put a year, two years, something. But at the end of this, you're going to get better and we'll go back to how it was before. Yeah. yeah. Or as close to it as possible. But the truth in so many of these cases is no. Like, this is kind of how it is. This is and my, this is the new normal. And can you stick with it? God. Well, especially when you're watching, I mean, Kate, you and me both watched one of our parents die. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even like, when you're stripped of everything that makes you like a human, basically, mm-hmm. besides your just motor functions, breathing or whatever, like you can't communicate, you can't move, you can't feed yourself or do, clean yourself or anything. It really does just, I mean, you don't want to ever say it's a burden, but that is a toll to take on someone to take care, just Absolutely. to watch them. And there's no hope of coming back. It's just mm-hmm. you're just waiting. And um, isn't that isn't that just a, for so many people, isn't that a core fear that people have of becoming a burden, yes. turning into something that then translates into unlovable mm-hmm. or unwanted yeah. because I don't serve a purpose? Because that honestly is how we live. Mm-hmm. That we are in a people say it's a meritocracy, but not really. It it is a society in which as long as you're useful, yeah. then you are seen as valuable. Mm-hmm. But as long as soon as you lose that use or use that ability to be providing for others or adding value to society, then you need to be swept away. You, you're better off out of sight, out of mind, or even dead. Yeah. And that's what I found really interesting reading this as an adult. It's again, it's not that I was like, oh, I totally sympathize with this family. They're right. They were, they were monstrous. But they're monstrous in a way I feel like a lot of us are. Yes. And in a way that I could suddenly, I could visualize, like, to be very vulnerable, I could visualize being that way, getting tired, getting over it. And we do this all the time in, like, society where, like, an issue pops up and we try to fix it. And then we're like, great, everyone's better. And we don't check on the people a year later, two years later after really hard things happen. And so I found this really gripping as an adult. And I feel like it's really relatable. I would be, I am surprised. I think that's how it's supposed to be. It's, it's, it's It's supposed to, you're supposed to come at this with humility. Mm -hmm. You can't just align yourself only with the protagonist and then get angry at everybody else on their behalf. You have to be able to look at everybody in here and see yourself in their shoes as well. Yeah. You have to look at yourself as the boss who comes by, who's horrified at what he sees doesn't want to deal with it because honestly it's not his responsibility and so he just pieces out and just ghosts him and and leaves a letter of resignation for him that's it yeah you have to see yourself in the sister who champions it at first but then wears out Mm -hmm. you have to see yourself in the mother who just immediately sees i've lost my son this isn't my son i refuse to accept the fact that this is my son i i can't i i'm i'm a victim um you have to see yourself in in the shoes of the father who has already been failing at his business before, had become accustomed to being taken care of by his son, and does not have the mental capacity and strength anymore to go back into that provider role. Mm-hmm. So instead, you're looking for someone to blame, and the easiest one to blame is your son. Mm-hmm. That's it's convicting. Then that's mm-hmm. such a good a lesson, not only just in storytelling, but also. 
educating yourself or just be, uh, building the muscle of being a reader or a viewer or intaking with stories is that, yeah, things aren't black and white. You grow up so mm-hmm. much with like uh, kings and, and dragons or whatever, and you're like, they're good, they're bad. Right. It, it's not that case. And the, mo- the moment you can push yourself and challenge yourself to actually see yourself in those other positions where you mentioned Kimmy about when you're younger being like, oh, he's good, they're bad. That's such like, yeah, that's, I feel like that's how a lot of us as when we're younger taught to kind of, yeah. those kind of stories were, were, were shown and it's kind of how we're surface level taught to kind of like sometimes, or maybe taught, but it's just like kind of how we knee jerk way of learning uh, stories. But yeah. when you get older, you are able to have more experiences and you don't, and you would hope and you're not as judgmental or knee jerk reaction to be like, how could they do that? As opposed to, no, put yourself in their situation. Mm-hmm. That's such a better way of empathizing sympathizing and and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just being a human a well-rounded human you know yeah it creates more growth because i keep thinking like oh i feel really bad like he's like when the the scene where they're moving all the furniture i find really wild because greta's reasoning is it like it seems reasonable like approachable which is like oh he's having fun doing this let's make the room more friendly to who he is now and then the mother's feeling of like no we need to give him space to grow back into being a human mm-hmm. both are reasonable approaches and he kind of is drawn to both, but he cannot tell them. He cannot tell them. He tries to communicate. He is not able to tell them. So how are they supposed to know? So they make right. mistakes. But how were they supposed to know? Like, you can't really blame them. I don't know. I just found the whole thing painful, but also, like, really convicting of, like, what does it look like to try to listen? But also, what does it look like to give yourself grace when you're going to get it wrong? Because sometimes... Mm-hmm. You just have no way of having the right answer. Yeah. So I don't know. I find this really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I just also, the transformation, I was ta- the metamorphosis, I should say, yeah. of yes. Greta is interesting. I was reading, uh, fun fact, they have a lot of uh, critical thinking on Wikipedia. One of the more <laughs> uh, interesting <laughs> feminist uh, criticisms was about, this is just as much about, about the journey of Greta going from like a young girl, how she kind of grows up for good or for ill. At the end, it's, it's all of them talking like, what a wonderful young woman. She's probably ready for marriage. Like she yep. grows up mm-hmm. through this experience. Oh. Yeah. And the, it's her the first line is his transformation and the last line is hers. Exactly. Oh. And, and it's, it's almost interesting too, because it's like he, he was the main saving grace of their family uh, by working and earning money to keep them in their house, to keep them fed and everything. And then that's, you know, taken away. And so he, he, dies <laughs> and so it's passed on to her and now she's seen as the new savior of the family she will marry well because look how how beautifully she plays her violin how courteous she is how well spoken she is how beautiful she is and full of life and vibrancy that we hadn't noticed before almost like as he dies she's filled with more vibrancy she's filled with more more life force almost in she a way shines. yeah yeah and uh you just see these parents be like oh okay uh she's our hope now she'll take care of us uh, so it's it's in a very speaking in vermin like terms or animal like terms, very leechy, like mm-hmm. just okay, we we sucked as much as we could out of one child. Now we're gonna move on to the next one. Yeah. I we were talking before the podcast about movies and how you can read different things into them. And as you were just describing metamorphosis, the thing that stuck out to me first was the idea of like being a man and what that means. And Mm. you're taught that means like being the provider 
and like go 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 uh grind yourself into like dust uh, as you keep working because people are relying on you and that's such a, a pressure that women obviously have too but i feel like it, for, for for men uh of, of the previous generation you're, it's really ground grinded into you whatever about your role and what you're supposed to do what a man is mm-hmm. and the stress of that so when you were explaining it i was resonating this immediately with the idea of like oh my god i'm sick i can't be sick because yeah. people are relying on me i yeah. have to work mm-hmm. go 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 and so much of that is that kind of like capitalist yeah i don't waste my sick days on actually being sick yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. i can't i can't afford to be sick when the story too it does that where it's like Gregor's value is in his work and the yeah. money he brings home for that. And then Greta Greet's value is in her her comeliness and, mm. and how she appears so that she can ha- she can become a wife and marry well. Dang. So that that's even highlighted yeah. in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh my my last two things about the book, if you know, because I was just curious. The apple, is that any kind of deeper meaning? And also you mentioned him covering up the pictures when they were trying to like tear things down. Was that just trying to hold on to some kind of humanity or something? Holding? Yeah, yeah. So the particular picture he goes for is this this woman in furs. And the woman is never is like identified. Sexy, I couldn't tell the way he was describing it. I'm like, is this like a sexy picture of a woman no, He in wasn't furs? trying to cover it. He's like, don't look. Well, no, but shame. like, mom, my but like his attachment of it. Like he describes it, it's woman in only furs. And I was like, only furs. Yeah, there, there's something... There is something sensual about it. Yeah. Um, that it had mentioned that he had bought, like, I don't even know, like, if he knows the woman. It's just like he, he just, it's a, it's one of his only personal items that he bought for himself that is not utility based. It doesn't have really a use other than it's pleasing to look at. And it makes him feel. Human? <laughs> yeah, human, warm and dingling. So I don't know. And so he, it's that's sensual. like the only thing that he really clings to uh, when they're clearing out his, his thing. So yeah, that's definitely like a symbol. Okay. Which, uh, yeah. the shame is that like he covers it fully so they can't really see what he's covering. So they can't even see the humanity of the choice. Mm. They just see he's on the wall yep. and, and yeah. get freaked out by it, which fair, a giant yeah, cockroach on like, the wall. Straight up face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the apple itself, I don't know, technically a lot of times when you see like an apple, there's that tie to the biblical illusion. Like sin or something? Yeah, sin Knowledge. and Garden Eve and, and the, fallen, the fallen state of man. And so there are those mm. who would say like, okay, like he's fallen or, or the parents are fallen. Like, you know, where does the sin lie? Where does the, the lack of humanity lie mm-hmm. as well? But the fact that it embeds in him is just if you're going with that and the idea of like sin it's not his fault it's his parents fault mm-hmm. it's like a lot and it was chucked at him by his father so it's just he's inherited this original sin mm-hmm. and it he's suffering because of it and it festers in his back mm-hmm. but i yeah there it's definitely one of those where you can pick that apart and there's been some fascinating things yeah. for it and of course i'm not going to be able to convey that with as, as kooky as we tend to get. So I just <laughs> have some throwaway lines about threatening to throw apples. Oh, we'll get there in a second. We'll get there in a second. <laughs> okay, I got one more cool fact okay, for great, you. Especially great. I had you in mind for this, Adam, since uh, you know, you're our film buff. Oh, great. Um, so the metamorphosis was on David Cronenberg's mind when he filmed The Fly. Oh, that's mm. so great. Yeah, so when he was writing a script for that 1986 sci-fi horror classic. Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Cronenberg <laughs> couldn't help but see the parallels between his story and in which a 
brilliant synth scientist uh, accidentally transforms himself into a grotesque human fly hybrid and very Kafka-esque. Mm. And he saw that with reading the Metamorphosis. And so in an introduction to a recent translation of the Metamorphosis, Cronenberg writes in it in the introduction to the book. Really? Yeah, I saw this on Libby, actually. I didn't read yeah. it, but I saw the cool. version. Yeah. And so he wrote that he thought of Kafka specifically when he wrote this line for the unlucky Seth Brundle, played by Jeff Goldblum. And the quote is this. Um, the character says, I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it, but now the dream is over and the insect is awake. Mm. So, anyways, Ooh, thought brutal. you might like that since, you know, you are Have fascinated you the by the fly. No, I actually just talked about it recently because I fully thought it was a David Lynch movie. <laughs> I was like, David Cronenberg only does mafia movies. And then Ian corrected me. I can, I can, I can. Can you imagine though, like a, a sci-fi horror mafia movie done by Cronenberg though? I, I would mean, love to see that. Isn't that neon basically? I haven't even seen it. Uh, what? His, the Cronenberg's movie he did with Robert Pattinson. Oh, maybe. Neon Ultra or whatever. I, I'm a, I, I'll, I will admit as much as I love film, uh, Lynch and Cronenberg are like, uh, a lot, of the, a lot of the body horror stuff. Too squeamish. I'm yeah. too squeamish. Though I'm so I did, scared. Though I did see The Fly. Dude, that stays incredible. with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, those no. images stay with you. Yes. What, The Fly? Yeah. Have you seen it? I've seen enough when you were watching it. I was going Spoiler in and out. Spoiler alert. When I was ran, walking in and out of the room. He vomits acid on a guy's hand and dissolves it. Oh. When he becomes a fly. It's awesome. I've heard it's intense. I think that's the one that it's, Ian's seen. It's really good. It, it, it has that kind of storyline that Kate loves where it's like there's a romance and now he's becoming a beast. And he's trying, and like the part of him that's like the human that they were in love is fading, and they they can never be, even though Ooh. he's trying. And I've seen that that tragic part. That was one of the parts where I walked where in. Actually, like, I stood like a father in the corner, like no I'm not watching it, but I'm watching yeah. it. And he presses the the gun to. Oh, I don't remember that. Uh, I got. I, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. But oh, oh yeah, my I'm gosh! A, yeah. I forget. Did he just okay? Anyway, spoiler yeah. alerts. Okay, well, I'm sorry. For the I movie that, that, that came out 37 years ago. It's amazing. I'm sorry. Though. They live happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> everything, was, everything was great. That's what I expected from my Cronenberg movie. <laughs> Happiness. Happiness. She learned I've to seen see the man with promises to know not to. I've seen the, the knee tattoos. I don't think I need exactly. to know anymore. <laughs> but yeah, the, I didn't realize that makes sense, though, that this would be really inspirational to that. I've never mm-hmm. put that together, but that totally clicks. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other kind of final thoughts before we go into the next section? No. All right. <laughs> I'll just say reading about Kafka's <laughs> life was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. You're like, I've already given all my notes. <laughs> I love it. What more do you the, want The from improv me? in me was like, yes, and shit, now find something to say. <laughs> Anything no. else? Yes. What was, what was something interesting you learned about Kafka's life? Uh, first, he, okay, here's the thing. I'm also reading Steinbeck right now. And let me tell you, Steinbeck, real hunk. Every time what, they put, oh yeah, I'm you've seen some old pictures of that oh, guy. Cool. So handsome. I know. I was in Monterey. Him and shirtless Hemingway mm. need to hang out in my dreams. <sighs> it's charming. It's so charming. And then I was looking at photos of Kafka, and I was like, you know what? Cute, cute. You really? know what? I think he he had like a strong furrowed brow. Smash. Almost smash. Consider <laughs> smashing. I don't know why I'm picturing a Poe, more of a Poe like goth kid vibe. <laughs> I think you're a little Kafka. bit, but think <laughs> of that like oh Peaky Blinders God, hair. Yes, they would have. He's got they the peaky blinders player, but he's got a really strong eyebrow. Okay, and I respected okay. that. Um, no, I just think he was like a sweet little moody man. Um, I shouldn't infantilize him that very way. Very romantic. Very romantic. Very Loved romantic. lots of women, but could never quite settle down. Died of tuberculosis, the most romantic disease to die of. Um, and it was, and, and I think also why we think of him so romantic is like he 
what was was it like a nurse or something like that that was in like the rest one of the last rest homes he was in that he just like was infatuated with and of course like in a very romantic as in romanticism but in a, in a very like gothic way he's like i'm dying you're my true love because <laughs> i've only got a week so of course mm. i'm gonna throw everything into this yeah <laughs> He just seems like a sweet shot. He just seems like the kind of man who's like you, you like the movie like pans over and he's like the guy working behind the counter, but he's got like big eyes and mm, you just kind of mm-hmm, care mm-hmm. about him. Oh, yeah. Tim Burton would have loved to draw him. Would have loved Kafka. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I just really like reading about his life and that world. And um, it helped me understand going into the book. I like paused and I was reading his Wikipedia. Um, and I just love his three sisters. The photo of them as children is really cute on Wikipedia. Let's go read his Wikipedia page. That's all. We're sending you to the, the Wikipedia. I love it. <laughs> no, I love that kind of stuff too. See the behind the scenes. Stuff. I love seeing photos. I love historical photos. They're so fun. All right. Well, thanks, uh, Kate. Now let's transition to um, more of like our podcast, where uh, our podcast becomes Kafka esque with the Metamorphosis. Tell me, Kate, how you landed on doing this book. So uh, Kimmy reached out and saying that she was sick. Uh, and so you're like, well, we got to do something. How did you land there? Uh, I had like a a couple ideas and uh, I remember just in producers wise, like you and I talking about, Hey, what what sounds good? Here's, here's my ideas. That's how we spent our Valentine's day. Yeah. We like, we like talking to like a Tuesday morning. I was like, uh, we like talking about our Valentine's day as a married couple with a toddler and a one-year-old is just, yeah, that that's normal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's par for the course. Uh, we, we had like a few and just it's like, okay, the, these are stories that have been suggested to us by listeners. Uh, so guys, please continue to send me mm-hmm. your suggestions. Yeah. I, I really appreciate we that. Got a really in, great one today. Yeah. Uh, got a really great one what today that I never heard of. It is a, it's a parody of, oh, it's like some Russian work. I'm sorry. I'm oh, you don't need to know it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There's going to be like three Alexis and a Nikki and they're all the same person. Yeah. No, it was a satirical novel banned by the Stalin regime. It's based Ooh. on Faust. Um, Ooh. Uh, Tom DeLonge of Finland sent it to me. Uh, Tom DeLonge from Blink-182? Yeah, that's immediately what I was like. <laughs> of Wait. Finland. The one who had uh, the great cake made of him. Where are you? It's okay. called uh, Master and Margarita. It's in the public domain. So, uh, anyways. the so. Oh, I think I saw you post that somewhere, and I was like, oh, yeah, Caitlin. Yeah, responded to it. I was like, I thought Caitlin was going <laughs> to. I was like, oh, Caitlin marked down a margarita night. We're going to have. I was like, well, I don't know what that is, but we're having margaritas, I guess. <laughs> so anyways, it, I have like an ongoing list of, of what has been selected to us and suggested to us. And then if it, you know, more than one person, I, I kind of mark like, OK, it moves up the list if it's more popular. Um, so anyways, this um, was one of them. And so I was kind of like, hey, if I were to do this, this is what I would do. If I were to do this, so it's like, hey, I got metamorphosis if i did this i would turn you guys into bugs and automatically adam was like that that one let's let's it's let's be insects let's fun. do it uh so that's kind of how it how it started i, th- I think it's a good opportunity because we have so many books who come in like metamorphosis or whatever and it's like how the hell can we make that yeah, work? i don't think i could stretch that and uh well the, or just like <laughs> how do we fit that into our campaign and so it's what's great when it's like okay we need to do a kind of a one shot or a couple episodes yeah. let's just find a moment and just have like a zany adventure. I mean, kind of like we, like Bertram and Penny had with mm-hmm. Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that could have been drawn out, but you just make it kind of a short session that's like its own 
that they, they could be easily re- removed if you want to, but uh, it also has its own kind of fulfilling. And, and, and yeah, as to you, the lore, you, you can, there's a lot of stories that you can stretch. Like Treasure Island, you could stretch, but not all stories would do well for a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like for example, Great Gatsby, that's hard. Like, I thought I could make that short, and that guy turned into God knows how many episodes with you guys. But well, I'm starting to realize just... myself when trying to dabble in DMing myself. Every episode we do is basically like two beats. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah. so it's very. It's like even in our last episode that has since come out, but hasn't come out yet. <laughs> but as we're recording this, but in the finale for Metamorphosis, it's like the first part was we went down the river basically and then that was it and yep. the second part was like the fight it's like it's like you you really you i think in your that's mind that's what it is well because also we we only we tried to record for not a long time yeah <laughs> we we try to like cap it we try to cap it at two hours you know can we remember when we first started doing this podcast we we're like all right we're doing frankenstein we're gonna do three episodes tonight and it was like four and a half hours oh and it was like, why yeah. did why did we do that to ourselves we've 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 perfected it just has yeah. made me laugh i was sick for maybe two weeks and I haven't been on the podcast in about two months. <laughs> Which is why, <laughs> listeners, okay. we wanted Kimmy to be here. Oh. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. It just made me laugh. I was like, I was, she's like, well, we're still, we're still going. And I was like, oh, great, go have fun. <laughs> I know. What, what I thought would be a one-shot now, well, actually, it could be a one-shot because if we had, like, sat down and recorded for three hours, if we played this, like, in an apartment with friends. Yeah, like, one-shots can be a, three to five night, hours, four hours yeah. but here it's... <laughs> Yeah, so There's I, I kept like for you, filling Kimmy. you in. I'm like, well, you get some, you get some extra. Yeah, Kimmy, a little, little, little break for you. A little break. We expect you at your best when you come. <laughs> exactly. Back. I have to be at my best, and then I'll uh, I will go on carry, leave, and then you, I'll go on leave again in three months. You can carry. You can carry the. <laughs> okay. uh, what were some of your and Kimmy too? Uh, you've listened to the first two because yes. again, like the third episode. As has recording not this hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. And I was dumb and didn't ask Adam to send it to yeah, me. Yeah, well, I was dumb and didn't <laughs> send it to me. you. But what were some of y'all's favorite uh, references to Metamorphosis or just like, favorite moments from like the uh, the episodes, I guess? Well, for NPCs, I included three from the story. Gregor. Um, yeah, I have Gregor. Um, and then I said his sibling because I didn't, I didn't know... Uh, you said sister, if, I thought. I said sister when they were up in the pipes, mm. but then when you're you're gonna meet you're gonna meet Greet. <laughs> Great. Okay, cool. Um, but I I didn't know like if that was going to be like a spot for somebody else to jump in like we do sometimes. Oh, we get spot. So I did a, a masculine voice. So I just left it. I left it at, in the open. Like I don't eh. remember, I don't remember this character. Oh, was that down when, when we when we got yeah, out of Greet the... Yeah, Greet is the one that you talk to. Gotcha. Um, yeah, when you make it out of the drains. So, gotcha. anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have that. And then my favorite character, one of my favorite characters I've ever done now, uh, the chief clerk. That was fun. Um, it just, that's in this story, that's Gregor Samson's uh, boss who oh, comes okay. by. is like, hey, you didn't show up to work. Oh, shit, you're a cockroach. All right, I'm out. <laughs> Never no. hear from me again. You've lost your job. Bye. Uh, so in here, it's like, okay, you, you kind of need a leader of the pipes community and playing an old Whenever you do your little shake, when I, I would just look at you next to me when you're recording and you're shaking your <laughs> fist like you're holding the cane. It was so precious. I looked like asparagus or Gus from Cats. <laughs> like, he got palsy in his, his paws and he's like oh. shaking. Uh, but yeah, just trying to act like I'm old and holding a a. a cane or whatever mm-hmm. an ant would use for a cane but <laughs> it was a good character it was very cute yeah 
so the, there was the apples. You you, you mentioned yeah. the throw an apple in your I bag. I threaten, yeah, I threaten to do that. Which I, I was say aware of. Threat, and Aaron it's the worst was threat like, in the bug what? kingdom. Aaron yeah. was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I I open with this line, which is taken straight from the beginning of, um, I don't open. I open your experience as a, like the first appearance of yeah. you as uh-huh. bugs is is the opening line of the story, which is, um. You find yourselves transformed into horrible vermin. You lay on your armor-like back, and if you lift your head a little, you can see your brown belly, slightly domed and divided by arches into stiff sections. Your many legs, pitifully thin compared with the size of the rest of you, wave about helplessly as you look. And so I just, you know, changed the pronouns and made it more fitting to the description of, like, where they were, but that's the opening of it mm-hmm. i loved uh I'm, I'm sure you'll get to it but i love the closing line which is the lines that happen as gregor's dying, dying yeah. in the book but it's the lines as, as the story closes do, do you have that yeah um outside the window you hear someone playing a violin so beautifully a stark contrast to the foggy grime outside you remain in this state of empty and peaceful rumination until you hear the clock tower strike three in the afternoon you watch as the light slowly begins to dim outside the window. I mean, that was perfect for, I mean, beautifully written, but also perfect for our podcast with like the yeah. grime outside of old smoke and, and the, it was dimming outside because that's when we were going to go uh-huh. uh, yeah. scout the... It's fun to find lines like that. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I love that it's one. Beautiful. That it's heartbreaking too. And I'm assuming the violin is, is Greta playing in the book. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's Greta playing her violin. That's still one of my favorite things about just this show, to gush about our own show, which seems (laughs) in poor taste. But I love how we just get to incorporate these beautiful, I mean, you write your own beautiful words uh, as you narrate our podcast. You don't know which words are mine and which are the authors. It's just so great sometimes when you're like, oh, there's a little bit of like Melville, or there's a little bit of uh, Mary Shelley. Yeah, it's fun to breathe new life into these these works, yeah. So those those were my favorite. Mm-hmm. Little weavings in, yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Kimmy? <laughs> One of my favorite moments, I think. Yeah, I, I was telling you this earlier, but I loved Adam's response or Bertram's response to the rock candy and being like, "We're we're just one step away from giving handies in the alley." <laughs> Which that made me laugh very hard on my way to work this uh, this morning. <laughs> we 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 received a comment from one of our beloved community members. Is on, that what he was referencing? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, what is happening to the show? He's like, what is happening to the show? You're talking. <laughs> I'm alley. gone for one session. I know. I know. This, we we talked about that. That's what like, happens. It's fascinating. As the DM to see the dynamics change, you know, when, yeah, when Aaron, Aaron was gone and then the on. two of you, yeah. it became the banter became so much more pointed and just hilarious. Um, and then <laughs> now with Kimmy like, gone, yeah. I have my two chaotic players without any <laughs> check on them. And it's just it's almost like your two brothers who just totally. keep playing chicken with one another and like <laughs> one upping and seeing like. All right, you're going to do that? Well, I'm going to do this. Well, I'm going to do this. No, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And there's me <laughs> wanting to continue to egg you on, on on one side because I am on the more chaotic side as a DM. But then knowing, all right, we got to move this on. Like, <laughs> I, I, I want to get this session moving. We're not even in the pipes yet. Like, we've got to go. The improv <laughs> so. is so fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it is fun playing, figuring out those dynamics. I feel like Bertram instantly had a dynamic with Penelope just because they were from completely different worlds, like complete opposites. And so it's always been fun to do that. And it's always been more of like a, 
um you, you mentioned brothers but also like bro- for this one brother and sister maybe in a combative where i just want to have pick a fight all the time <laughs> where and and so any plan that's mentioned is instantly like shot down just because i don't want yeah, her to be right or something but yeah with a one it was more like okay if you it was more like this piling on top of each other of bad decision after bad decision <laughs> sometimes yep that's definitely what it felt like (laughs) but it was fun it was fun and you being upset about your roles i had a really good time listening uh because normally when i'm in the episode i'm like oh i don't want to listen to me make a bad joke but when i'm not in it i'm like oh this is fun (laughs) yeah it's hard when you're in it with the pressure of like should this be funny i guess or how to be in the moment i mean it was really hard when you were like okay for the next minute or two everything is funny so I was like, okay, I guess it's I have like to be It's like a bunch of acting now. exercises that I kept giving you guys. It was hard. And then you no, also No, I liked this... when you had them rant about yeah. specific items, do like a stand-up set on like, all yeah, right, the... pencils, go. It was, was great. Like, oh. That was hard. That was like, funny. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the, the drunk thing was fun, but it was fun kind of going crazy. I, I played it more like crazy. Like he was losing his mind. <laughs> yeah. His fear of the, dying. The moment when you said like, I want to die crushed by a feather foot shoe. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> Like I'm working with you on our main arc of like traumatizing you in the Featherfoot family, and here you are Brutal. saying I want <laughs> I want to die with basically their foot on my neck. I'm like, jeez. Mm-hmm. Let's got, unpack Bertram that. Was going through something. He was experiencing let's unpack something. this. Yeah. Has that been hard having to take a step? You're like in the middle of a very intense arc on the normal timeline, um, and. When I was doing my version of that in Oliver mm-hmm. uh, Twist, it like the idea of stepping away for a month or two would have been a little tricky. Has it been tricky, or does it give you a break to breathe through how intense that? I feel arc like it's is? been a, it's been a welcomed break mm-hmm. because as I was kind of helping shape what Bertram's backstory was going to be, it's one thing to be like, "Oh, this is interesting." Like reading a book, you're kind of like, "Oh, these beats, all oh, this, this these beats work out really well." And then as you're acting it, you're like, this is really dark and heavy and like trauma mm-hmm. and, and sad. I mean, and I'm, we're trying to find moments uh, that are funny still in that, but not that we have to. Like our, our show doesn't have to be like goofy. Like it can be serious at times. And, and I think in the breakaway to you guys. It, the, it, we're the, it, I think the slight comic of us is, like dragging is, your senseless body across. Right, exactly. And me blowing <laughs> it up. on fire. Me, or you, maybe you, me you farting. Guys, me farting a far, just, fog cloud. No, you, you two are our Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah. And we need it. Because <laughs> before I have to on fire. <laughs> before yes. I have to go back to Hamlet over there, like, please, for God's sakes. And yeah. because I, I, you, I know dead. what's... <laughs> yeah, because I know what's coming with Bertram's story. And I, and I hope people really enjoy it. But it is, like, heartbreaking in, in ways and, and sad. Yeah, it's intense. Uh... But it's that's hard a, to play a good that. question. It's it's been it's been a, a nice little break, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to going back. But it is it is heavy, it's, and it's hard because I feel like it's really me. It's like one on one, me and Kate just going the entire time. Whereas when it was your story, well, I guess in one sense it's me and Kate only. But then I have a break for a second to kind of regather and have a sip of tea while you guys are going. Whereas when it was you, it was a lot of us. But you were always on, and there was a lot of stuff. Yeah, you were yeah. So yeah, I can understand. Remember, you were like, "It's your turn now." Next yeah, time. no, it was like six weeks. It was like six weeks of me be just being like, "Ooh, all right." And then I remember we finished. I was like, "Ha ha! I gonna be a side character again. Yeah. I don't have to be sad." Do you have any <laughs> advice for Adam as to Ooh. being like the the traumatic imbalancing? Figure? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would just say I have no advice because I think you're doing a really good job. I would just say the thing I. Found found that worked for me which 
I'm not an actor. I'm not a performer. So I would just say the thing that worked for me was just not feeling like I had to be emotional, but just feeling like I had, well, what's the honest answer in this situation? Mm. Cause I think at moments I was like, Oh, I should be really emotional. This is so emotional. And that just doesn't work for me as a person nor for that. So it doesn't work for that character. Cause I'm not really an actress. Penny's just an iteration of me. Let's be real. Um, and so I found not trying to be emotional, but just trying to be really straightforward and honest about how the thing would feel. That was the easiest thing for me. And the, the stuff I look back on that I'm proud that we did is usually me not being emotional, but just me being very honest. Mm. Um, but you are a more of a performer than me. And I think you, I've been loving everything you're doing thus far. So I mean, I think I think there was a couple book reports ago. I can't remember. I think we ranked our top three arcs. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure both of us. I, I think and even from here from other people, people have, I think, have said Oliver Twist has been the best Oh, that's nice. Uh, arc because it's our longest one so far, but the character work <laughs> you did was so damn longer. good. Oh, that's really sweet. And the way it was integrated, my, my worry is I wonder. This, this did is a great job. Of we're, that. We're, we're bringing the listener behind the curtain of, of, of producing the show. Part of me is kind of like, how Bertram is experiencing this again and remembering things, but it's, it's separated from Awen and Penny. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what was so beautiful about Oliver Twist is that we were integrated and brought into your world. Mm -hmm. And was, we're, and that, we're that able was to come alongside you. such a key you. element of that, of creating the community and coming yeah. back mm -hmm. able to combat that because you were not alone. Whereas mm -hmm. here, Bertram's experiencing it almost like again by himself because mm. he's, he's stuck. He's trapped and, and unstuck. That was part of the, you mentioned Vonnegut. That was part of the reason why... I, I helped kind of come up with the concept of being unstuck in time because mm -hmm. I loved uh, uh, Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse, thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how I'll come out of that and then bring you guys into it because you guys still won't know a thing of what I went through. And I'm wondering how I can have you guys be emotionally invested in who I am without having to be like, hey, audience, listen to this twice. Mm -hmm. Or to be like, hey, so in the, in the three-month gap, I told them everything. And yeah, we, you know, I, I, yeah. I, that'll be curious. And Kate, you'll have a huge, obviously, part in really? however you want to do that. But I, I can I can foresee a lot of it being blood in the gutter where it's just you don't have to go through every hit Ooh, was, that's with interesting. them. Uh, just comic book reference of, you know, you want you, you want a lot of the violence and the hard stuff to happen outside of the frame. Oh, and hinted just enough so that your audience can easily imagine it. And sometimes the audience imagination is so much better. better totally. It's so much or more worse. grotesque. So yeah. much more. It's so much sexier. It's the naked, so much, it's the naked arm yeah. with the do not disturb sign mm. on exactly. the hotel door. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So <laughs> you want to you wanna be able to. And also that is assuming very fairly that your audience is intelligent enough to to fill in the gaps. And so. You know, you don't want to dumb it down like, unfortunately, yeah. too many pieces of media do these days where when you have blood in the gutter, it's having enough confidence in your audience to be like, you, you know what happened. You know how this can can occur. I don't have to say it twice to, mm -hmm. to say it all twice for you. Yeah. I think it was really interesting. And Kate has her own journey as a DM of like figuring this out on the fly. But I feel like for characters, we build a character. And we start playing them and they're pretty one note and you start fleshing them out as you're playing. And I feel like it's happened for all of us, but certainly with my own kind of arc now a little bit here, uh, it's been really interesting and fascinating diving into like what makes Bertram like his humanity, even though he's not human, 
the aspects of that. There was a moment in the last episode, one, one of my favorite Bertram moments that you haven't heard yet, but you'll hear, and it was realizing while mm. whilst floating down mm-hmm. the tube that I could for once taste and smell because I was a bug. I was thinking about that. And it was like, oh God, it was at first it was funny because it's like, oh God, my first time I'm able to, because I think we started that being like, I can never taste tea. Never been able to do that before. What a dream that would be. And then it was like, oh God, my first time now I'm here in this poop tube. But then when we got out, I came across some tea on the ground and there was a beat we took, which was really nice, where I just laid in it and smelled it and all these senses for the first time. And it was really cool playing that out. Didn't didn't plan on doing that. No, but it, was it like, actually man, was a bit emotional. It was. Yeah. Part, partly Adam almost started crying because I was like, oh, wow, he's getting to experience this for the first time and have a, 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 like a glimmer of what it everyone else goes through maybe takes for granted that he's always wanted yeah so i'm, I'm curious whenever you uh listen uh, um you, you think whenever you get to listen to that that's cool because i actually caught myself thinking when you were describing them i'm like honestly because bugs are so exoskeleton i was wondering like is bertram experiencing life really differently right now or is this actually really similar to being a mechanical oh, being interesting because bugs are so crunchy and exoskeleton based mm. and so i'm actually really glad you guys explored that because it's something i was thinking as as just a listener in this episode it's one of those things like you mentioned kate about <laughs> you're trying to move the story along and then some and the thought will come across your mind and you're like well now i want to explore this give me a beat because i think i think it, it was greta or Gre- or whatever was was hailing us over to go do something <laughs> yeah. i was like give me a second i want to go lay in this and it ended up being like a 10 minute thing. <laughs> and you're like come on get over here you, it's almost like a video game when like the, the character is like yeah the npc is trying to like hail you over and you're like i want to look at this wall for five ten minutes <laughs> and you just see them still yeah. there looking at you trying to get you to come over That's hail novakeen follow me to the city and it's like <laughs> 10 minutes or you know you're petting the the wolves on the side of the 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 road and then you oh, oh yeah i gotta go down the road and they're still the same spot waiting yep. for you like walking exactly. in place. me exactly. in two months when i play the next zelda game and i'm oh, very yeah. excited yes <laughs> well i hope everyone uh, you out there listening really enjoyed the metamorphosis arc kate you did a great job thank yeah you. it's Throwing beautiful it really it's impressive thank you thank you Kimmy, we miss playing with you can't oh, wait to play I with missed you, again. you guys i feel like i haven't played with you in forever because even in yeah, my other arc, your own I'm thing. not engaging with you. It's two months. It's been before sucks. Christmas for sure. I'm only, so. en- I'm only engaging with you as like a corpse, basically. <laughs> a farting corpse that Caitlin It's a real Swiss Army fun. man. Yeah, yeah, Swiss Army. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, um, so uh, trans- uh, one, before we wrap up, I want to quickly... I liked, I, I like to bring to this little games to play. I like playing games and trivia games. Would you like to play a so game? So if you two would like to play, <laughs> if you two will indulge me in a little game and you... Listening at home can also play along. All right. Uh, I have 10 questions for you. And these are about famous bugs in pop culture. Oh, okay. Do you want bugs, to do this right. where you just shout it out or you just say what it is? You yeah, let's it shout it out. Do you want to see if, okay. Well, <laughs> he doesn't like the chaos of this. Well, do you, are you going to be a race to see who wins or is it just both of you guys working together or what? I mean, I think we'll have to see if, uh, what, do you have a preference? I don't know. What do you think? What do you? What do you what I do think you competitions are always more fun. The listener I think wants to see who more fun, win. But if we're both stumped, we need to work together. I okay, think that's, that's what I say. Okay, so don't shout it out, but wait until you both have an answer, and mm-hmm. then we'll go one time. And great, you guys can keep score. Great. So uh, final Jeopardy. Got it. Exactly. Okay. Number one. What is the name of the iconic bass player from the band The Red Hot Chili Peppers? Ding ding ding. Okay, you both know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Go. Flea. Okay. 
point has one done a lot of years. really good work in LA apparently very very uh very very like socially conscious done a lot of cool charities philanthropic that philanthropic the that's the word I wanted thank and you so also, much you can hear his voice in the wild thornberries oh really he's <laughs> a little, little weirdo yeah. yeah all right number two and uh before you guys start screaming out there this has to do with a spider and I know a spider's not a bug it's an arachnid but it's crunchy I don't care in the novel Charlotte's Web the titular spider weaves four messages into her web. Can you name at least one? Do you know one? Okay, well, let's. I think Kate, I, I think, Kate I, knows I, think one, I know one. But let's see if let's give Kimmy a second. <laughs> Otherwise, Kate might have a point over Kimmy. I, I have like a theory, but I don't think it's correct. All right, Kate, you start. My guess. It's a guess. Some pig. That's the first. Oh, I was going to say smart pig. Some pig. Was Some the first pig. One. The other things are terrific, radiant, and then lastly, humble. Aww. But some I thought, pig. I thought the last one was going to be like, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm going to die Take care of my babies. more said my <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of babies. <laughs> so icky. Uh, okay, so point, point for Kate. So two to one. Number three. It's common for studios to release competing movies with similar topics in the same year. In 1997, Volcano and Dante's Peak were released. In 1998, Armageddon and Deep Impact were released. And in that same year, 1998, two animated bug movies were released. What were they? Let the record got, show my hand just up Your hand so went up fast. so fast. You knew All where right. I was going, but I it's think, not a race. Yeah. You, both, you both have hands up. Uh-huh. Should, name, should we like name one at a time? or like you, you name one, you name the other one. Ants. And a bug's life. There you go. Mm-hmm. And How do you with a spell Z. Delia? Exactly. With a Z. Because I, I watched it as a child and it gave me nightmares because one of the ants was talking and they picked up his head and it was just, Good his Lord. head had gotten chopped oh, off. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I, it gave me nightmares. That also, the design for those ants, so much more Horrifying. Angular. Horrifying. When Terrible was, movie. When I was a sophomore in band, our marching, <laughs> our marching thing was the ant soundtrack. We marched to the oh ant soundtrack. Oh my God. So I remember all that music in my head. It, they thought it was going to be good enough to do that? I guess so. Oh, There's no. like four songs. It was they, pretty good music. They really backed up the wrong horse yeah. did, they also, did, they also, did they also tag on the ants go marching one by one because you were marching and it was ants? No. Would that have been too on the nose? Don't be too ridiculous. Don't, don't make light of marching band. <laughs> 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 Number four. So it's, so score is three to one. Three to two. Three to two. In the 1991 film, My Girl... Oh, okay. <laughs> Macaulay, Both of Cul- us raise our hand. Macaulay Culkin's <laughs> character is killed after being attacked by what type of bug, ladies? Bees. It's a bee. That's right. Yeah, dead by bee. We all remember that scene. I've never seen the movie, but people know it so know well. I've heard yeah, the reference. That moment, I remember mm-hmm. that. Number five. In Godzilla, this popular kaiju character shares part of its name with a flying insect. Hold on. Kate put, Kate put her hand up. Uh, Kimmy is uh, rubbing her chin, thinking, looking off into the distance. I'm stretching like Hermione. I have a theory, but you, I don't When know. you stretch too much, you bend your, your double-jointed elbow, goes in the wrong direction. It freaks me out. <laughs> All right. Kate can go first because I don't know, but I have a theory. Well, tell me your theory. Yeah, go. Because I, I know it's a I'm praying right. mantis. I think it's a mantis, but I don't know for sure. Okay, what name are you going with? Mantis. Okay, mantis. <laughs> Incorrect. What? I know. I didn't. I figured I was wrong. Mothra. That's Mothra. right. Oh, Ma- my gosh. You're right. That's embarrassing. Okay, so now was it four to two or five to three? You guys keep. Y'all are the numbers people. I don't know. Five to three, sure. <laughs> you guys will both get this one. 
In what popular children's novel will you find the characters the centipede, the earthworm, the ladybug, the glowworm, the silkworm, the old green grasshopper, and Miss Spider? I love this book. This is James and the Giant Peach. Yep. That's right. By Roald Dahl. That's right. All right, good. You had to show that you didn't know it. Otherwise, you, I, I could just be like, yeah, Mothra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I totally know, right? <laughs> Number seven. Which rock band has the hit songs Between Angels and Insects, Scars, and Last Resort? Caitlin, slowly putting your hands up. This is an audio medium, so you can oh, tell sorry, the audience. Oh, sorry, my hands up. When, you're, when your ding, hand ding, goes ding. up. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I dinged earlier, and you, I felt shut down by that, so that's why I went with the hand system. <laughs> the hand is good. There's got to be some kind of way. you got to have like a buzzing word. <laughs> Caitlin. This is what I feel like I should know, but I don't. Caitlin? Is it Red Hot Chili Peppers? That was actually the one that came to mind. I thought they had a song named Scars, so. Suffocation. No breathing. Don't give it. If I give it, 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 it. Papa Roach. Papa Roach. Oh, I think had to come in been, later. Yeah. Oh, it's scar tissue for Red Hot Chili Peppers. I might have messed you up because I said between angels and insects. I was like, no, oh, I'll put that in here for the bugs. But Papa Roach. There was a Papa Roach reference in episode three, which you haven't heard yet. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so the first one, two negatives on this one. Okay. <laughs> negatives. Did we get like one or point whatever. off? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> In the 1954 film, Them, with an exclamation point, oh, geez. atomic tests in New Mexico caused this type of bug to mutate into giant man-eating monsters. It's a classic 1950s. Oh, we got, Caitlin, again, it's got to speak. I have a guess. I, I, always guess. Just, I always a guess. Okay, you both have a guess. Is it cockroaches? Cockroach. Ants. Ants it is. Ooh. Right, it's a good poster, too. It's big ants. Really cheesy. Fun well movie. done. Good for me. How'd you know that one? I've seen the posters. Yeah. Also, I think I've seen a scene from it when they're like in I, tunnels underground. Uh-huh. Yeah, Bias, totally. you're married those? to the test writer. <laughs> yeah, I probably, probably showed her some. There so was, his, his circles of knowledge interact with your circles of there knowledge. There was definitely going to be a Lord <laughs> of the There was going to be a Lord of the Flies question in here, but I was like, I'm sure Kimmy would know it. But I actually Caitlin never read def- it. I skipped that year in high school. I was like, Caitlin would definitely Written by know William this. Golding yeah, in response so, to World War II. Okay. Which... <laughs> Which stories about a bunch of British school children who become the devil. Exactly. <laughs> Number nine. This a term that Caitlin likes to throw around, this deuteragonist from the film Pinocchio is always depicted wearing a top hat, tailcoat, and holding his umbrella. Pew. That's, That's gonna be my sound buzzing this time word. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Kimmy, have you already given up? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I mean, I could visualize the character, but I hated Pinocchio as a kid. Think bugs. I mean, you said top hat and tail and an umbrella. There's nothing buggy about that. That's true. All right, Caitlin. Jiminy Cricket. Oh, okay. That was more obvious. I was thinking, I was thinking the guy who like pulls him in. Uh, gets a, like the opposite of Jimmy Cricket, the guy who like convinces him to come. Oh, um, tails. You said tails, didn't you? Not I tail. S- I said wearing a top hat, tail coat. And I heard it. tail. I didn't hear coat. Oh. That's my fault. That's on me. That's me. In the 1969 film, The Love Bug, the main characters find themselves in possession of a white Volkswagen Beetle with a mind of its own. What do they name that beetle? Uh, he- 
both know it. Okay, I know me, that one. Yeah. It's Herbie. Yeah. It's Herbie the love, the love bug. bug. Yeah. I had the biggest crush on Dean Jones as a six-year-old. Isn't that wild? I can't believe that choice. my mind in milliseconds, you said, I had the biggest crush on, and I thought you were going to say, that car... <laughs> As a child. It's a cute car, but no, I loved, I had like a weird thing for Dean Jones as a child. <laughs> a I weird... never saw it. I never saw it. Oh man, you gotta watch the one where he, he's in the, uh, he goes to Monaco and is in the Grand Prix. He wins. Wild. He's so big. Is there a series of movies? Of, yeah, it was a lot of them. It was like a popular uh, Disney series. Um, I watched Sadly, a lot the only thing I knew was the Lindsay Lohan, which I didn't see, but it was like Herbie the Love Bug, whatever movie that I came mean, out. I'm sure it's cute if you're seven. Pro- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was the, I had one extra one I'll just throw out there for our, our I mean, extra, extra nerds yeah. out there. Burp, burp. But I wrote this one down, so I'll go ahead and ask it to see, just to test you guys. All right. In the final battle against Thanos in Avengers Endgame, Game, there are three superheroes with a bug name. Can you name all three? Hint: these do not include superheroes named after arachnids. Um, can I try? Yeah, go for it. You both can work together on this one. Um, Mantis. I did not think you would get Mantis. Yes, that's. One. I got stuck on that one. Uh, I'm assuming Ant Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's two. And I was gonna say is the Wasp. Yep, that's yep. three. Hey, y'all did it. I we thought I would. St- I thought we I would send you on Mantis. Mantis was good. We, I did not think you you're lucky. Mantis. I said it earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure she would have got it without that. Well done, you guys. Uh, well, Caitlin's the winner, but we're all winners here. Yeah, Thank that's you for it. Playing. We're all winners. Thank all you for the winners. Yeah. <laughs> I like doing these little games here. I hope you guys that's like listening to them at home. Any guys, kind of final thoughts before we wrap this up? Don't compare people to vermin. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good that is a good life lesson. <laughs> Don't do your, that. Your, your worth is not tied up in, in what you do for your job or mm-hmm. what you can offer to society. You deserve to have worth just as you are. Amen. Yeah. That's a pre- oh, you amen yourself. Amen. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like doing that. That's what she said when you've set it up yourself. It's like you can't. I people would do that. that. Yeah, I know yeah. you have. Like that's, a, that's breaking a cardinal code. Mm-hmm. It's the same way where I'm trying to tell you funny things and I start laughing at myself. So. Well, Kimmy, thanks so much for being here with us tonight. Of we missed course. you missed on our you show. Our listeners have missed you. your voice too. I mean, I do have a good radio voice, so you do. Have Sorry, a good, guys. I think we all have good radio voices. <laughs> Let's see if you can. I'm get kidding. It. Everyone no, does. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that depends on which voice I'm doing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, <laughs> that's true. I was gonna say Rose, maybe not so much. <laughs> oh God, revisiting that. That world. was a nightmare. Wet mouth, just such wet mouth. Oh my gosh, oh my God, yeah. so much that or charlie bates I'm i was so trying sorry. to i was trying to give caitlin a note i was like by the way your lisp is kind of coming and going maybe try and just pretend like you have like a fat tongue like just try and let it sit there and she started reading her lines and i had to cut it out and have her redo it because i could not understand anything she was saying in an episode and i was yep. like you know what forget my note just do just it like you were doing do, do it like <laughs> yeah, you were do. doing it yep <laughs> and it worked out beautifully well thanks so much out there for listening to this episode of the book report uh as always if you're not already uh, consider becoming a patron. You can get uh, extended us. versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an extended version of the book reports, bonus episodes where we talk after episodes. We do a thing called First Chapter Friday where we all take turns reading chapters from other books that we love uh, and other great things like being on a Discord where you can talk to us. So Yeah, you get to have us send you memes. Yes. 
<laughs> Isn't that all that you want? You just come be weird with us online and our other weird listeners who we love so much. Yeah. We'll have a link below in the box. You can check that out. I'm a ghost. <laughs> Why are you a ghost? I'm tired. It's late. You are t- it, is, it is late. We're all getting goofy. Jimmy's just laying on our couch right yeah. now. I'm, sl- I'm slowly sinking. Yeah, you are sinking. You're turning into your bug form. Yeah. Just kind of slowly uh, a couple last things. Uh, feel free to reach out to us with uh, other book ideas or thoughts about mm-hmm. the show. You can reach out to us at uh, wait, oh man, oh, man, man, show, man show at gmail. Mm-hmm. Also, com. Twitter handle also. oh man, man, show. Oh yeah, yeah Kate Spicy on there. Follow. Yeah, we love just engaging with you guys. Like Kate said, like the reason we did Metamorphosis, <laughs> a reason of that. <laughs> wait, <laughs> did I say too much? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just the truth. Too yeah. spicy sometimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the re- the re- a, a reason we did metamorphosis is because we kept getting uh, just emails and people reaching out saying they would love to see that book, and that's a lot. So we do read your emails. We love getting to engage with you guys online, and it really does mean a lot. We you feel like we're kind of in our own echo chamber here, you know, just playing together. Yeah. So it means a lot to hear that you guys are enjoying it out there as well. So please let us know. A good way to do that is rating and reviewing us online. It's a great way to get us out there more and help. Adds clout to us when people are searching for new D&D podcasts to listen to. And I'll read your words. Ooh, she does do that. Yeah. It sounds good, too. Were you mouthing something to me? I Kim? said, ooh, clout. Oh, I thought I was forgetting something. I thought no, you were you're saying, fine. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm getting silly. Yes. <laughs> rate, yeah, rate and review. And yeah, Caitlin will read it. It helps us out. And lastly, if you can just share our show with your friends, other nerds, people, your if friends. If you have a friend that likes bugs... <laughs> Or if you like have how? a friend <laughs> yes. that reminds you of a bug, Ooh. share it with him or her. If you know them. Steve Buscemi, share it with him. Yes. And if you know... Um... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. This is where the show goes off the rails. If you know Jeff Goldblum, Jeff, if you're there, we love you so much. Please, please yeah. reach out to us. But also, if you know Jeff Goldblum somehow, please tell him. Just share, share, just this share with it with your friends. They'll trust your word over ours. Mm-hmm. If you like D and D comedy games, be friends being stupid. Yeah, it's the best way to share it. So thanks again for listening. Thanks, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll see you. I guess back in time machine. <gasps> yeah, back in time machine. <laughs> The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. What's this all about? What about nightmares? You're in this too. We need to figure this out together. We need to leave. Yeah. What are you doing? They can't tear out your soul anymore, stupid. Ominous Thrill, a new audio fiction anthology. I've done horrible things. I can taste the rot in the back of my throat. Ever since you arrived. Are you saying we're the enemy? Tell them what you did. I, I didn't do anything. Tell me. No! Character-driven tales of obsession. I'm no psycho. Banging on my door and streaming it on the internet. Revenge. Take back what was taken from you. Don't mind if I sit here and watch the lights go out, do you? The unexplained. Don't leave me out here. We can't help her? <laughs> I have a we're leaving. Who's there? Tendrils of rot. We're gonna die. No, it's acting out through you. That's all that.
that matters. And the dark things we do to get what we want. I need the light. You want me to fall down the stairs? No. I want to push you. I love you so fucking much. Ominous Thrill. Coming to Spotify and Apple Podcasts February 15th. Until then. Flesh splits open. Oh, yes. Thrill you later.